Welcome to a special holiday edition of Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm your host, Sid Evans, and today we're featuring highlights from some of our favorite conversations about the holidays from 2023. We're going to kick things off with Alabama native Jason Isbell, who had quite a year. He released an album called Weather Veins, got several Grammy nominations, and played a character in Martin Scorsese's epic film, Killers of the Flower Moon. Jason talked to us about his musical family gatherings on Christmas night. So, Jason, what about the holidays? Did y'all have a bunch of big family gatherings around the holidays? Yeah, we always had everybody over. And even not on holidays, like every Sunday, all the cousins and aunts and uncles and people that could make it would come to my grandmother's house. She did the big one, though, on Christmas night. That was always the biggest. Everybody would come over and everybody would play music. And the ones that couldn't play anything would sing. So it would just be loud and they'd make a bunch of confections and sweets my granddad would make those he had a a homemaking side to him like he would knit shoes and scarves and things for everybody and then he would make those little spiral peanut butter cookies you know that that are like white and and brown and spiral out from the center yeah those little swirls he'd make those and my grandmother would make coconut balls with the dark chocolate on the outside the coconut inside you know, just old fashioned candy snowballs and that kind of thing. Just stuff that, you know, I haven't seen them since I was a kid. You don't have any of those recipes laying around? I think maybe my dad might still have some of those recipes. And I need to check in with him because, I mean, that stuff was good. And that's the thing for me. I get just as much joy out of that kind of food as I do out of the nicest possible restaurant you can imagine. And I'm not even saying that the fancy restaurants are overrated. Like I love the French Laundry and La Perouse, but I also, I really like Taco Bell and I like my grandmother's turkey and dressing. You know, it's all fun for me. I I, I enjoy all of it. Well, when you find those recipes, just send them our way, all right? Yeah, I will. (laughs) Sean Brock and I told him about my grandmother's cornbread, and I have her skillet at home now. My mom got it and had it after she and my dad split up when I was a kid. She kept a skillet and gave it to me a couple Christmases ago. Wow, what a great thing to have. But I told Sean about that cornbread, and when he was still running Husk, when he still owned Husk, every time I would come in, he would make me my own pan of this cornbread. And I had described it to him well enough to where he could get it really, really, really close. And yeah, I'd get choked up every time. Hmm. I spoke with country music legend Miranda Lambert earlier this year about her latest cookbook, Y'all Eat Yet, and one of the women who inspired her to write it, her late grandmother, Nani. She talked about Nani's holiday celebrations and how she always kept things traditional. Talk to me about the holidays with her. What did a holiday celebration look like when you were at her house? It was very traditional, and her and my mom ended up getting in arguments about it later on because my mom's like, why can't we do, like, Italian Christmas? And, you know, it's traditional, like, turkey, dressing, ham, green bean casserole, homemade rolls, cheesecake. She really was a stickler to make the holidays very traditional. And I'm a little bit like that now, too. Her dressing is famous, and it's not been mastered since we've lost her, but I've gotten really close. Last year, my family voted that I got the closest that anyone has since we lost her. But Wow, okay. My brother and I videoed her telling us how to make it because we knew we would want that one day. And she would just go, it's all in the hands. And I'm like, what does that mean? 
<laughs> and I would say, so how much sage? Well, just a pinch, not more than a pinch, because then your dressing will be green. And we're like, okay, well, how big is a pinch? <laughs> like her recipe was not to the T, but it was to the T to her. So it's a very special thing, the Nani dressing. And she would always make six big tin pans of it because she knows we would all want dressing for days after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it was really special. I mean, the holidays were a huge deal to her. And she had all the Santa plates and the Santa glasses and the red candles. I mean, she really did it big for Christmas for sure. I'm sure you have some of that in your house now. Yes. I was lucky enough to get her crystal. She gave it to me and a couple of the things that she used to love to serve on. She gave me. That's what's so special is And I don't think it's a Southern thing. I think it's just universal. This idea of passing something down that already carries so many memories and so much of your heritage. I think that part that we reiterate in this book is so important because when I hold a plate that was my grandma's, my great grandma's deviled egg plate, I'm like, how many memories does this thing have? This is so great. And I feel a duty to carry on the traditions of whatever that plate represented, you know. Mm, I love that. Marwan Irani grew up in India, but moved to the U.S. for business school. He eventually opened a restaurant of his own called Chai Pani that brought Indian street food to Asheville, North Carolina. The James Beard winning chef shared what it was like celebrating holidays like Diwali and Parsi New Year with his multicultural family. You know, one thing that I think Indian culture and Southern culture have in common is that we love a holiday celebration. We love to entertain. Tell me a little bit about the holidays at your house and what that would have looked like. Well, being from a multicultural family, if you will, I had more than my fair share of holidays. And most religious occasions in India are the big holidays. So Diwali, the big holiday that's sort of the equivalent of 4th of July meets Christmas, meets Hanukkah, (laughs) meets New Year's Eve, all rolled into one, was the biggest holiday off them all and the one that we as kids look forward to the most. And every holiday in India, every religious holiday in particular, has food as a component of it. The food traditionally signifies something important and what you eat and what you give other people, how you invite folks over and what's served at the table, all is very specific to the religion or the holiday you're celebrating. So Diwali being a time of spring cleaning and the new year and the the welcoming of the light and dispelling the darkness, sweets were the big tradition. So every family went around bringing each other elaborate, beautifully done sweets that you would buy from sweet vendors that specialize in this. But there were other holidays like Parsi New Year, and the Parsis love food. And usually huge elaborate dinners with palaos and biryanis and sort of these layered rice casseroles and faluda and just dishes that were very traditional. So it really kind of helped me understand that everything on the plate has to have a story and a reason why it's there. It just came naturally to me as a kid of like, I'm never going to eat something just because that's what somebody decided to cook that day. It ties into something, the time of the year, the seasonality, the religious occasion. And some of these religious occasions will stretch a month. There's certain times of the year for an entire two to three weeks that you'll only eat one particular type of food. And even when I was opening an Indian street restaurant in the middle of nowhere at Asheville, North Carolina, it felt really important to me that every dish on the menu had a reason to be there and a story and a sense of space. So if somebody asked me, like, why is this in the menu? I could say, here's why. 
And I think it goes back to that uh, experience of food as storytelling and having purpose in addition to just being nourishment. We'll be back with more of this special holiday edition after the break. Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, and today I'm sharing some of my favorite conversations from season four about holiday memories and traditions, like this one with Camilla Alves McConaughey. So Camilla, tell me when it comes to the holidays, what did a big holiday celebration look like in your family? I'm big in holidays. Matthew's family, not so big on celebrating. They like to celebrate holidays. I'm like... No, we're going to make the pretty table. We're going to sit down. You're more old school. We're going to eat, sitting down, not moving around. New Year's is really big for me as a Brazilian. Christmas is a big one for me and in the household. And we do it two ways because in Brazil, you celebrate Christmas on the 24th at midnight. Really? Yes, we do. And Americans celebrate on the 25th in the morning, right? So I try to honor both sides of our family. So on the 24th, we changed the clocks in the house. So it looks like it's midnight, but it's not really for the kids. <laughs> That's when I make a beautiful table. I really go all out. I decorate beautiful plate settings and all those things. And I cook a Brazilian dish, which is not a traditional Brazilian Christmas dish. But in my household, it has become one because my kids, that's all they ask for. So I do a Brazilian chicken stroganoffi. I do the rice, I do the little potatoes, all the sides that go with it. And that's usually what we have that night. Some years they ask me for the Brazilian chicken stroganoffi and for the Brazilian style lasagna, which is different than the Italian lasagna too. We put slices of ham in between the layers. We do that meal at night and then they're allowed to open one gift from us, right? And then... Everybody goes to sleep. Then Matthew and I do the crazy late night, like all the other parents, hiding the gifts under the tree from Santa Claus. And then in the morning, when everybody wakes up, then we do the American version, breakfast, big breakfast, everybody moving around, walking around. My mother-in-law, Kay, if you follow on my Instagram, you've seen how feisty she can be. She wants everybody to sit there and watch every single gift being open. I mean, you cannot step out to go to the bathroom. You cannot go get a coffee, nothing. So we're pretty much with the size of family that we have. And because we want to honor her, she's 91. It takes all day. Oh, my gosh. We're there from the morning till late afternoon. At the end, we're all looking at each other going, I mean, this is great. But, I mean, we actually started telling her, don't get each other's gifts. Just get the kids. That's all. Get the kids and her. And that's it. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like so much fun. That's great. In this next segment, Louisiana-born and Alabama-based fashion designer Billy Reed discusses his grandmother's fried chicken and the new tradition he started with his family on Christmas. So what about the holidays? When I think of Louisiana holidays, I'm picturing a lot of food and probably some music. What did that look like as a kid? The food could not fit on the table, and it was a mix. The way my grandmother handled the holidays and her cooking She did it all herself. She would not let anyone help. And she knew everyone's favorite thing at the table. And she made sure that she cooked their favorite thing. I loved her fried chicken. So it was the fried chicken. My mom loved her cauliflower. So she cooked the cauliflower. 
My dad loved her shrimp creole, so she cooked shrimp creole. She wanted you to have your favorite thing. And we try take a little bit of that on with our children, but their palate's so limited. <laughs> it's pretty easy. <laughs> well, know? I was going to ask you, you've been in Florence now for a long time, 20 plus years. I mean, how do y'all celebrate the holidays with your family? You know, pretty similarly in a lot of ways. Again, we try to cook those favorite things. But like I said, my kids are so basic on their appetite. So we started a tradition at Christmas where we now make our own pizzas. Oh. And everybody, we just get a ton of toppings and everybody chips in and we all make pizza. Took the whole guesswork out of it. Jeannie's family has this recipe for this breakfast casserole that's just this like one dish of <laughs> an entire McDonald's big breakfast, basically into one bowl that you bake. And so we go with that in the morning, and then we go straight to making pizzas. So super healthy. Super. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are health nuts. <laughs> no time for, for being that. healthy, you know. Yeah. That's holidays. Winona Judd joined me earlier this fall and reflected on Christmases with her late mother, Naomi, and the experiences she wants to share with her granddaughter during the holidays. So when you think about Christmas as a grandmother, what do you want to be known for when it comes to Christmas? Or what do you want her experience of the holidays to be like? I'm turning into my mother. I'll be honest. One of my memories of mother is she used to take us out in the wilderness when we bought the farms. She had a farm right next to mine. We had a thousand acres. And she would take us out in the middle of the freaking forest, wilderness, and we would sit there with our candles and she would read the Christmas story. And we would have to sit there, you know, I actually had to pee. I was cold. And we would sit there and we would just let her ramble on because that's what mamas do. And we would go back to the house just frozen. And I'm going to do the same thing to my granddaughter. I'm going to make her go with me out in the woods. And I'm going to do crazy eccentric things like my mother did. She taught my son how to poop in the woods. She did really weird stuff like that. And, and they never forgot it. So I want to be remembered for doing the fun stuff that maybe her mom wouldn't let her do. Yeah. <laughs> that thrills me somehow. <laughs> the revenge is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about recent Christmases, how did y'all like to spend that time together? And how did you and your mom like to celebrate Christmas more recently? We had a thing because we worked so much. I'll be honest with you. We would come home oftentimes in the past really bankrupt. You know, we gave everything away and we would come home and just sleep I would stay in my pajamas for literally a week after the tour, and I would wear them in public because I was so exhausted. And we just started to say, okay, enough is enough. And we would have an amount that you could spend. And it had to be simple. We got down to the sweet and simple. It got down to food and fellowship and spending time, because that was mom's favorite thing, was spending time together, because Ashley and I are quite the travelers. And we would just sit around and be together, and she would make us watch movies and do things that she wanted to do. And that was her favorite thing is to boss us around. So spending time, I think that's what we need. Less phone and more time face-to-face. -face. Less face time and more face-to-face. -face. What was one of her favorite movies to watch? Anything corny, anything like Miracle <laughs> on 34th Street. I mean, whatever it was that was old-fashioned and take us back to when she was a kid. She loved 
all the corny stuff that everybody rolls their eyes at. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there really any other kind of Christmas movie than a corny one? No, not for me. I actually started to watch the Hallmark Channel last year, and so I think I've entered into a new club of people that sit around and watch Hallmark movies because that's what you do, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Up next, actress, musician, author, and podcaster Bethany Joy Lentz talks about the magic that children bring to Christmas. Let's talk about the holidays. So, you know, you are obviously someone who loves the holidays. You've done all sorts of stuff around the holidays. You've recorded a lot of Christmas music. You've made Christmas yeah. films. So what is your connection to Christmas? I mean, what did it mean to you growing up? And what does it mean to you as a mom, too? Christmas was always special because I grew up in a Christian household and because Christ's story was deeply embedded in my heart, I felt deeply connected to that culturally and just as an experience of a time to feel warmth and meditate on something that was very valuable and important in my life. And I think that I cannot even begin to answer this question without saying that because that is where everything else stems from. And as I've gotten older, I understand that more on an intellectual level and on a deep guttural, the idea of grace and mercy and humility and all of those themes I enjoy the opportunity to slow down and meditate on those things because I'm busy and I'm bad at managing my time. And then as I became a mom, Christmas took on that whole other meaning, which I'm sure you know as a dad, it becomes a whole other thing. And then you also have to worry about, like, I don't want her to think I'm lying to her. And what about these people who go until they're like 12, 13, then suddenly realize their parents were lying to them? I mean, if, if your parents can pull it off to your 12 or 13, I guess that's a whole other thing. But and then they resent you and they're mad at you. I mean, we had a whole thing about the tooth fairy in my house. I was like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen when she finds out about Santa Claus? This is really bad. I have put myself in a pickle. But I love the magic. I just decided we're going to be a household full of magic. We love Harry Potter. We love Narnia. We love fairy tale theater. If you remember that Shelley Duvall series from the 90s, yeah. we are definitely a storytelling fairy tale household. And I fully embrace the idea and the spirit of Christmas in that way. So every time I spoke to her about Santa, if she ever asked me, is he real? I would always say, something like the spirit of Santa Claus is absolutely real. Hmm. And then I would move on to another topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking to someone who was totally busted for trying to sneak up to my son's bedroom and kids don't listen, but I had the elf <laughs> and I was going to put the elf on his bed because as it got closer and closer to Christmas, you know, the elf would get closer and closer to their rooms. And I was leaning over and he never woke up ever in the middle of the night. And this time, of course, he did. And he just said, Dad, you're totally busted. <laughs> oh, no. And that was the end. Oh, no. That was the end. I'm, of I'm so mad that. at whoever invented that elf. But Christmas is so magical with kids. I mean, I would do all kinds of fun things and put glitter down outside the fireplace. I'd put glitter a trail to her bedroom where her stocking would always go at the end of her bed and the glitter would go up the, into the fireplace. And I love wrapping presents and creating little creatures out of the gift wrapping. And I think creative folks come alive during the holiday season for sure. 
Finally, we have Emeril and E.J. Lagasse. The father-son duo talked about combining New Orleans, Portuguese, and Southern traditions for the holidays. Well, so holidays are kind of around the corner, and this episode is going to come out right before Christmas. And I'm wondering what some of your favorite family traditions were when it comes to Christmas. I mean, are there certain dishes that y'all love to make? To be honest, I mean, the, the lachey was... The lachey is definitely makes it on every holiday menu. Um, that's the quail? Stuffing that's inside the leg of the quail. It's called yeah. lachey, but it's basically a bread stuffing with Portuguese chorizo and ground pork and trinity and bread and stock, etc. It's very simple, but it's very tasty. You know, we do the turkey thing. I think a few years ago, it started getting a little bit boring to us, especially EJ and I, because... It's just another turkey, right? So we started doing turkey roulades for the family. Yeah. So we would make a stuffing and do a turkey roulade with the breast, and then we would come feed the legs, which they were like, what are you guys doing? And well, and, you know, with my mom being from Mississippi and having some, you know, more, I guess, traditional Southern roots in that regard, I mean, then she starts requesting the cornbread and the and like collard greens, the whole thing. Right. And so we had to go, and I love it. It's really interesting because I think that our family holidays end up becoming these like, New Orleans, Portuguese, Southern, traditional Thanksgivings or Christmas or things like that. Sometimes we do the seven fishes as a tribute on Christmas Eve. We'll have a seafood salad. We'll have some sort of calamari, some sort of fish, and et cetera, et cetera. And probably half of that is Portuguese influence. Well, then it became a thing where you were doing sweet potato pies, you're doing pecan pies, you're doing apple pie. Because what ended up happening was is we weren't cooking together a lot, especially when I was away. And so if I was back for a holiday, we were just like, all right, man, you're going to make this. I'm going to do this. Let's see what happens here. One year we made like those, remember the ridiculously big pastiche de natas we made, the mm. Portuguese egg custard tarts? We made like massive ones. And then, you know, going down the whole list of just the classics and just trying to check the box on all the things. And I remember one year we did so much food that we were like calling people to come pick up. Yeah. Food. You start getting in that mode and, and all of a sudden you think you're, you know, instead of cooking for the family, you think you're cooking at the restaurant. Yeah. So, right. you know, <laughs> all of a sudden it's like, okay, how did we get four turkeys? We were only yeah. supposed to have two. <laughs> he and I were going overboard. We were making our own stocks. Like, it was ridiculous. It almost sounds like it gets a little competitive. No, I wouldn't no. say it was competitive. It was more collaborative, but it was also just like... You handle this stuff and I'll handle this stuff. And then we're just like, oh, I can, of course I can do more. You can do more. Yeah, come on. And it just became that sort of game. It was fun, though. Well, you can never have too many leftovers, right? No, no. Thanks for tuning in to our special holiday edition of Biscuits and Jam. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And as always, we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd appreciate it. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. We'll be back on January 9th with an encore of my conversation with Rustin Kelly and a brand new season starting in late February. Happy holidays, everyone.